Hey there. Hello. All right, we're back on schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm on schedule work-wise. We've got two more days now as of recording time. As of release time, we're done. That's amazing. So by the time you guys are listening to this, I am kicking back and relaxing. <laughs> you you may be thinking, must be nice. And let me tell you, it is. It is nice. <laughs> um, you're not allowed to relax too much. I'm going to force you to work on big topic episodes. So don't get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> My toxic trait is that is relaxing to me. Wow, that is <laughs> unthinkable. <laughs> Listeners, both our Zoom profile pictures are our black cats, so now it looks like they are talking to each other. Yes, and uh, <laughs> they're the perfect cat to talk about today's topic, um, which is a little text by Italian anarchist Enrico Malatesta called Anarchy. Just Anarchy, plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do a lot of brainstorming on the name. <laughs> I think maybe he could have taken a second pass. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to defend him here. Here's why. So this is a pamphlet, all right? 1891. Think about it. Typeface, you know, uh graphic design, think about it. Big bold anarchy, you know. That's eye-catching. And then you have like the rest of, you know, the rest of the small text or whatever, but that's like boom, anarchy. Okay, okay. I could see that popping on a store shelf. I think it's better than like, you know, the English philosophers or whatever that are, that are like a small discourse for the interested gentleman on, <laughs> on related topics of science, physics, and the occult. You know, like they just have like a really long. <laughs> they do a lot of that. like scene setting. Yeah. Like, yeah. For the whoever and, you know, a scientific discussion of like they really have to let you know all their feelings about it. And impartial response to blah, blah, blah. Like they all in the title. It's like, <laughs> Oh, also, I got a response from a listener because I was like, remember I was trying to badly translate this guy's name? Yes. According to a listener in, like, Italian, because, you know, he's Italian, it would roughly translate to bad head. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so he's like, uh, he's like wrong-headed? I, maybe. I mean, she, she said maybe he had like a big head or something. Maybe that's Ooh, part of it. Okay, yeah. So. Or, some, you know, somewhere down the line, I guess, because... All right, so before we get into the text, could we get some background on this? Like what, I should probably have read this, but what year was this written? <laughs> this was written in 1891. Okay. And uh, Enrico Malatesta, he was around, he was born in 1853, died in 1932. So he lives a long life, 78 years. Um, he was Italian, uh, but he spent a lot of his years of his life in exile. Because, you know, being an anarchist, you know, you get in kind of trouble with the government. They don't like you because you're like spreading pamphlets saying it's good that this guy assassinated someone and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And if you think about like early 20th century, isn't Italy getting like dipping their toes into some fascism shit? Uh, eventually. I mean, he was exiled before then. Okay, okay. They had already gotten rid of him. Yeah, he had pissed off the people before that. But <laughs> Impressive. By that time, he does do a lot of writings about like the rise of fascism. I mean, Mussolini takes power while he's alive. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, so he, he kind of like sees that happening. So yeah, uh, interesting note. Um, he does like return to Italy for the final time after the First World War. Two years later, in 1921, he's arrested again by the Italian government. 
Um, but they do turn him loose before the fascists come to power. Uh, and then at that point, he gets his like newspaper shut down. You know, obviously Mussolini's like, you guys are anarchists, you suck, and shuts their newspaper down. Uh, and he just kind of like lives out the rest of his life kind of quietly. Uh, just, you know, obviously pissed, I guess, at what's happening, but not able to do anything about it. Mm, okay. Where does he end up living? Uh, those final years in Italy. Oh, okay. He just like can't write shit. Right. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. I also like to do this with readings that we do in relation to the manifesto. This would be after, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Communist Manifesto was published in 1848. Remember, uh, the same year as they have all those revolutions at that time. Um, I mean, lots of, you know, that happens. The Paris Commune happens in 1871. Obviously, World War One is not, has not happened yet. The Russian Revolution has not happened yet. So that's kind of like context of where, where it falls. Perfect. Okay, that tracks. All right, do we want to just get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, uh, listeners, if you haven't already gotten this reading yet, you can find it on Marxist.org or the Anarchist Library. Is that also a .org? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. So you can just grab a PDF for free and read it. It's pretty short. It's like 30 pages long. Yeah. If you're more of an HTML or I don't know, just reading it on, what is that what it's called? When you're just reading yeah, it yeah. on the webpage. Uh, I do have a link to that on my notes. If you're a Patreon kiddo, mm. you can do that. If you are a Patreon person, you will also receive my annotated notes, complete with doodles in the margins. Oh, good. I was going to ask about it. So please, <laughs> you know, remember to describe to me your doodles. Oh, I will. I always like those. <laughs> <laughs> I only have a few this time, but they're pretty good. All right. So this has like, what, like five sections? Uh, nine. It's got nine chapters. They're but short. They're, I call them chapters, but yeah, they're very short. It's like two or three pages. Okay, let's Young jump adult in. novel chapter. <laughs> not even. Not even. Not that even one. that. Yeah. First first chapter book chapters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he starts out, section one, basically just giving some definitions, right? Saying, Hey, what do people think anarchy means? What does it actually mean? You know. You know, Webster's dictionary <laughs> that that kind of shit. This is actually decent pedagogy. You know, you want to find out what your readers know or, you know, what your students know and then do some pre-teaching of vocabulary and stuff like that. So he's doing a good job here when he dives in and says, OK, so anarchy, let's be clear, literally means without government. All right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Archie, if you think of like hierarchy, that. That probably has the same root. Yeah. Anarchy. No rule. Uh, but he's like, okay, yeah, but people get it twisted, right? Uh, there's this common, common sense definition out there of anarchy as disorder and confusion. And he's like, that's not what we mean. You know, and we see that all the time. And he says, yeah, you know, people do this because they're uninformed. But they also do it because they do know, but they're like trying to discredit anarchists. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely the, I wouldn't say layman. That always sounds so pejorative to me. Hey, proud, proud <laughs> layman here. <laughs> if you use this term, though, just with any bold, any old anybody, it's it has a negative connotation. You know, like you'll you'll hear people say like, oh, well, just it'll be total anarchy if that happens. You know, like it's it's 
lawless craziness, which we've talked about before on the show, is not necessarily what that means. Yeah. And there's there's like a, you know, a notion of war-torn countries or oftentimes countries that are fucked with by the United States as descending <laughs> into anarchy and stuff like that, you know. It's just this mad... Almost like post-apocalyptic. Yeah, like this free-for-all law of the jungle sort of thing. He's like, that's not what we mean. I like his point, though, that he pretty quickly makes of this is a prejudiced view and it it is given to us by the people in power who have a vested interest in, like, making us believe that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, they're they're trying to get in. And he's also saying, like, it's partially just like you're used to it. You know, it's partially it's not all a big conspiracy. It's partially that you've always had this. He makes this reference of like, and it kind of reminds me of the Buddha's wet thing that we talk about. Like if you take a boot from a lake, it's going to be wet. It's like, yeah, if you grow up all the time with this government around you and people saying that it's doing this and it's doing that and look what it does for us, then like you're going to believe that that's true. But he says like, it's, it's kind of like someone who, you know, has this, what does he say? It's like a, a rod or something that's deforming them or binding their leg. Yeah, their legs are bound, is what he and says. And then they come to say, well, it's because of these bindings that I'm able to hobble along as best I can, not realizing that, you know, it's actually what's holding them back. Yeah. He also does make an unfortunate slavery metaphor, which I was not a fan of. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, like you're a slave and you you that's all you know, so you're like happy as it. I'm like, okay, that's that's a little gross, but I, I see what you're saying, but pick a better metaphor. That's true. Yeah, it's um could have done better. Well, he says in addition to just, you know, people being used to it and like how would we get by without whatever is oppressing us, he says, like you mentioned, uh there are people deliberately trying to basically brainwash you, right? Uh, you got all these assholes, bosses, <laughs> priests, teachers. Ugh, ugh, the worst. Uh, out there, and they're saying, you know, hey, you gotta have bosses. Hey, you gotta have the government. You know, you gotta have judges and cops ready to, you know, beat anybody down who thinks differently. Otherwise, you have chaos. You know, that that's that that's where that thin blue line imagery comes from, right? It's like, oh, that's what's protecting us from the hordes of criminals and stuff, you know? Yeah, because it, this kind of comes up later when when he talks about, like, services that people traditionally think the government provides. And, like, it was kind of funny because I'm like, well, they don't really do that anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now it really is just that thin blue line shit. Like, that's the, the main thing people bring up if you're like, well, this government sucks. Like, they're like, well, who would protect us, you know? Right. They quickly get into, what if there was a mad gunman, you know, sort of stuff. In this, in this section, one thing I like that he does is that uh, he kind of says there's, you know, this is not new. Yes, I love this part. People aren't just saying, oh, well, you know, I mean, anarchy, it's really, really bad. He's like pretty much every step from complete despotism to to kind of liberal democracy. And he has his critiques about that. We'll get into it. But all the way along that line of like gradually increasing freedom for some people. He's saying people along that along that road were always saying like, oh, uh, you don't want to take divine right of kings away. I mean, this would just be chaos, right? Or, you know, the word republic was seen as kind of like synonymous with evil or radical back in the day. I think that's 
so interesting. And I mean, it makes me think of that uh, Ursula K. Le Guin quote of, you know, the divine right of kings was seen as, you know, inevitable for centuries. And yeah, I, I think that's a great point is that words collect these meanings over time and they can totally, totally change. Yeah. Uh, one good historical like example of that is the French Revolution. This was, you know, as bourgeois of a revolution as there was. And the, yes, there was this like working class undercurrent that drove like the excesses of the Red Terror and things like that when people were really l trying to level their society and stuff. And it was in many ways kind of justified like what they had done to kind of the the noble elites. But the, yeah, I don't the, feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, but what they were fighting for, I mean, if you look at a Declaration of the Rights of Man and stuff like that, that's just like basic. Some tame shit. Yeah, it's it's liberal bourgeois rights centered in this sort of like property um, enlightenment ideals sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, same thing for the American Revolution. Like, yeah. that shit got started over taxes. Like, that's not very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and there are, there are historians who will argue that that was, like, just literally a counter-revolution and stuff like that. And I haven't uh, dove deeply enough into that to kind of weigh for myself the merits of that. But it, I, I think it's it'd be a cool topic in the future. Uh, but, yeah, like, those were, you know, there were conservatives in the American Revolution situation, the French Revolution, all, all along steps who say, hey, that's going too far. Yeah, this, that's this crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. All right. Next, at least by my notes, we can. <laughs> he gets into defining the state. Yeah. So clarify what the state means. He's saying we're specifically meaning government, specifically institutions that lord over people that are mostly separate from them. We are not talking about just any sort of society or any sort of community bonds. <laughs> That's not what we are trying to tear down. Yeah, I think it oddly does help that he capitalizes state because it becomes like a thing. Because I, I think, too, especially in the United States, like state can have a bajillion different me meanings, you know, like it can be you're basically your territory and increasingly you're fucking fiefdom or fiefdom where they can just do whatever they want to you. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. I do. I kind of want to just read the direct definition he gives here because I think it was very helpful to me to parse out what he's talking about in this. He defines the state as quote, the sum total of the political legislative judiciary, military and financial institutions through which the management of their own affairs, the control over their personal behavior, the responsibility for their personal safety are taken away from the people and entrusted to others who, by usurpation or delegation, are vested with the powers to make the laws for everything and everybody and to oblige the people to observe them, if need be, by the use of collective force. The parts I underlined in there were taken away from the people like these are rights that we should just have but someone said no i'm gonna take those and also i'm going to enforce it with violence <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good point that it is and i think he harps on this repeatedly is it's not any sort of like there is a something to be said for people's collective abilities that's not what he's talking about he's saying this is separate from that this is like something above it it's similar to how Marx and Engels describe the state as like some, uh, uh, you know, a tool used that, you know, to, to oppress one class or the other. It's a separate notion rather than the general will. I also think it's neat that he 
mentions kind of like you were saying with like, okay, state has all these different meanings. He's saying it's also definitely not, we're not trying to do like a, a federal debate, right? We're not trying to say, okay, is this central authority versus more local government? That's not what we're talking about. Like we're not just really big into like city council or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like he, he's lumping it all into one thing, right? Yeah. He's saying by the state, we mean the government, you know, the central government or what have you, but like this sort of authority that compels people, like you said, compels people to do things by force, uh, to, to follow its dictates. Yeah, yeah. And if the local thing, and they're also backed up by the larger state, you know, <laughs> like if they really needed to, they could call some guys in. Yeah. And, and like in the American context anyway, they're wholly constructed. Like they only are able to do anything by their state government. And then those states, you know, technically have some abilities beyond whatever, you know, like the federal government can tell them what to do in some circumstances or what have you, but it's very tied up together. You know, uh, I, I do like, this is our, at the end of this chapter is our first use of his anyway transition, which he likes a lot. Oh, he does love us. He's like, okay, anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. Um, all right. Anyway, let's go to section two. <laughs> Okay, I like this section because I, I viewed it as kind of abstraction of government. I, I kind of think of it as almost like a almost like a West Wing brain kind of thing, you know, saying, oh, people assume that like, well, they're in charge, so they must be like wise, right? Like, they've, they've, they've got to be in charge for a reason. They're the smartest minds. Exactly. And then he gets into the fact that no matter like what powers they wield, they are still made up of individual people. So like they can be shitheads <laughs> and they often are. Oh yeah. I mean, anyone who is not just like, you know, living under a rock or <laughs> newsflash government people can be shitheads. <laughs> who knew? Yeah. I do like how he kind of also parses this thing out of like, they can be shitheads and like self-interested because there's not really such a thing as the general interest. You know, he, he kind of says like, uh, people think, oh, government is about like this kind of broad representation of what is good for all of us. An abstract representation of the general interest is how he puts it. Like, and you'll see this a lot in media is the news stories where we'll talk about, you know, oh, we're, you know, putting in the military or we're sending military aid to whatever to protect American interests wherever, right? As if like you and I and Jeff Bezos and the defense contractors share some sort of common interest. <laughs> right, right. Like we all owe, and, and this is not to say like we don't care what happens wherever. And he gets into this later. It's like, it's not talking about isolationism, but it's talking about like when we are concerned about different things happening in different parts of the world because we're all interconnected. We're concerned about way different things and pro most of the time opposite things <laughs> than the titans of industry. We, we do have to parse out whenever the media tells us American interest. You have to ask the question, which Americans? Is it probably the ones with the most money? <laughs> yes, the ones that are paying for that news broadcast to be to go out. So, yeah, government can be made up of shitheads. Government can be made up of self-interested <laughs> people who are not after the same sorts of things that the broad majorities of people are. So this is kind of towards the ends of this section. He starts 
getting into the idea of basically the majority rule not being the the end all be all of solutions. I'm of two minds of this because like my my instinct is to be like, well, it seems fair and seems like a a reasonable thing. Like I don't see what the alternative is, that kind of thing. Uh, But again, I was brought up in a place where like democracy is as much as we don't do it, we like to talk about it a lot. (laughs) But as like someone who is often concerned about like marginalized people who like by definition are not a majority, I think that's a good point. Like we can't just rely on, you know, a majority to have the right ideas say about trans people, you know? Yeah. Cause he, he mentions like, basically you can end up sacrificing the minority on whatever issue it is. Like you raise a good point in, in terms of trans rights. You, you could just end up saying, well, the majority said no, so sorry. Because trust me, the majority of people have some stupid fucking ideas about that as a person who answers a lot of those questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even your most like run-of-the-mill liberal will sometimes say some stupid fucking shit. You have to be like, no, that's not a, no, okay, let me explain how fucking hormones work again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we can't rely on that. I don't know. You can speak it from a place of judgment for sure. I cannot. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been, I've asked just as stupid questions or whatever. <laughs> no, I'm no, sure. it's fine. Oh, well, I just mean, you know, I don't want our audience to, 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 to feel, you know, like, oh, damn, I'm not cool enough. I've ever thought these things. Like, it's, it's cool. Like, you know, we were all one, at one place. It's fine. You move on. <laughs> you grow. Yeah. What I want to say from that is basically that like people are uneducated about a lot of different things. I don't know. We're doing an episode on democracy in a bit. So maybe we'll talk about it more then. But like, I don't know. We will. (laughs) Maybe we save it. Well, one of the things he mentions is like, oh, you know, are people even a good measure of, you know, more people want to want to do this thing like, okay, just does more numbers like make it a better deal, you know, like, uh, if they are in some way, like unable to figure it out in the first place, then more people who are mystified by something aren't just going to like make a better decision on it. So, and and he also mentions here specifically the impossibility of devising an electoral machine where the successful candidates are at least the real representatives of the majority. So I've never seen it happen. Right. Like, (laughs) you know, a states are usually actively trying to make that not happen. You know, they're trying to rig such arcane systems up as the electoral college, for example, in the United States. (laughs) I think this raises a lot of good points, not just about the democracy questions, which like we said, we're going to get to. I'm already taking notes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing questions. There, there's lots of stuff there to unpack. Um, but also, he just kind of, like we said, maybe they are corruptible. I mean, definitely they're corruptible, right? Maybe they're not that saintly. And I think these are good questions to keep in mind, uh, especially when we're coming at this from, you know, the leftist perspective is we're not saying like, oh, there are any people who are like, yeah, but what if we just like do like a good liberal government? And that's not what we're talking about. But from like the Marxist-Leninist perspective, when we're saying, oh, we do want a worker state to like carry things out, to get rid of the bourgeoisie elements and, and move us toward a classless society, Malatesta would say, let's not do that. That's bad. That's going to get corrupted. You know, you have people in your worker state, a worker state, that sounds dope. But these officials, I mean, they can fall short. What are you going to do about that? You know, 
these government workers, maybe they, they actually suck. They're not good at their job. Like, what are you going to do then? You know, and I, I think that raises a good question. How are you going to choose these leaders? And he raises these questions of democracy and will this really be representative? That's important. I think, too, it's powerful that he says, like, you know, let's let's assume because I think the corruption argument gets made a lot. He's like, all right, let's assume they're not. What if they're like good little saints? You're still going to have an issue with, like, what is the best way to choose these people in a way that's actually going to be effective and actually representative? Then you run into the democracy issue. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good, good train of thought to have. I don't know if I'm totally on board with everything, but I'm into it. Yeah, because I will say that, like, Lenin did think through some of these. When we talked about state and revolution, you know, he offers some kind of, like, almost counter critiques to this. I mean, he's writing after this was published. And he dealt with, you know, in the Russian movement, like, anarchist tendencies and things like that. I'm not saying he solved everything, but I do think, like, there was a response. There is kind of a dialogue to be had between those. Yeah, I I think there are obviously two different stripes here and i think the stripes are closer than they are far apart though yes that is 100 percent true I, I i will like i found myself nodding along with this way more often than i was like oh the, like what is the the insult so like you know uh anarchists will sometimes call like marxist leninists and and stuff tankies right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the reverse of that is anarchities <laughs> I hate that. You're a dork, you know, you're not dork so much, but like you, like, you're put, that's so pejorative. You're like childish, right? Oh, so. that sucks. I hate it. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, it's not good. good, but um, and that the only time I will accept that is if we're in the commune and that's what we call the daycare. That's the only oh, time I will accept that. We will totally call it that. Yeah, <laughs> drop them off at Anarchities. They learn about the history of the revolution and how to work together. It's great. Or, you know, when when we have children, I will call them in our kitties. <laughs> That's it. That's the exactly. only time I accept that, to refer to actual children. That's perfect. Yeah, but we're, you know, we're here to kind of bridge these gaps. We don't want to be sectarian. We're open. Next section. He gets into some human nature shit in this section. And this is, I think, where I start to kind of pick at things a little because he's saying, well, he just got finished saying, like, a lot of government people are shitheads. And then now he's saying, like, well, the human nature is actually to be, you know, in solidarity with each other. (laughs) So I thought that was a little weird. Well, people in good situations or like Mm. people, people want to be good, I think, but people can be bad, maybe. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's it. So if, if you just give someone just this beautiful opportunity to just, you know, maybe screw over some people for their own gain. They're going to take it. And in such a cutthroat world, they're going to take it. Someone had to take the first leap and do the original sin of like, you know, starting some States and stuff. But once you have that introduced and you have these big governments around, then we get into the Buddha's wet situation where it's like, okay, well, Given that you're in this shitty society, do you want to be one of the people who are fucked over or one of the people who are doing the fucking? Because he raises a question like people say, hey, you know, uh, life can be brutal. Life can be crazy. The world would just be this chaotic thing. They, you know, uh, people need a government to set them straight, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he says, like, you know, we need this 
so that we can achieve the maximum satisfaction with the least possible sacrifice, which I thought was icky because I'm not very utilitarian. Mm, Yeah, that was very utilitarian of a way to put it. And then there's this line here that I I wanted to just talk about slash I want to make sure I'm understanding what he means by this. He's talking about the authoritarians and saying that according to them, the freedom of each is limited by the freedom of others. So is this like, I mean, this is what conservatives do today, right? Like, you're not allowed to be, you know, queer because I'm, that's infringing on my religious freedom. Because it sounded like he was saying authoritarians are like, well, we can't have too many freedoms because everyone's freedoms will cancel each other out. Yes. Uh, So he's saying that like authoritarians, you know, and you're right to say, you know, conservatives and, you know, from our perspective, conservatives and liberals, all of them really would be, would fall into this camp at some point and say the government is an arbiter. So people's various freedoms will naturally come into conflict, right? So your freedom of religion, you know, means that you don't have to see gay people holding hands in the street or, you know, you don't have to know that anyone gets, you know, medical care if that's a, if that happens to include abortion or whatever it is. Right. But then they're free, you know, these different spheres of freedom collide. And so you need some neutral arbiter to sit on a lofty pedestal and judge, you know, coldly and make sure that everyone is, is, uh, is weighed out. Right. And, and he's saying, yeah, that's a function of the government today. But, like, the history of it is that it it really is about, like, land ownership and oppression, right? Yes, yeah. That's what people like to think of as the, like, positive role of government. This is the good thing that they do. But he's saying, really, these guys are just, like, souped-up mafias. And he kind of just spells it out. He's like, this is, he says, uh, quote, Either the brutal, violent, arbitrary rule of the few over the many, or it is an organized instrument to ensure that dominion and privilege will be in the hands of those who, by force, cunning, or inheritance, have cornered all the means of life, first and foremost, the land which they make use of to keep people in bondage and make them work for their benefit. Yeah, yeah. And I love right after that, he says, you know, the two ways to oppress people is either directly by brute force, see like the police (laughs) and the military, or indirectly by denying them, you know, the right to live because you make them work. I would also argue that's very violent, too. So, Oh, it is. Yeah. To me, this played out historically. I was thinking directly by force, like Roman Empire style, you know, just boom, here it is. We're the biggest, baddest people around, pay tribute sort of thing versus kind of more modern capitalist thing of like, you're miserated, dude. You have to, you know, you're going to come asking me to oppress you so that you can survive. <laughs> That's funny. I was thinking of them as contemporary forces. Which you're right that they are. It's just, I don't know. Those are two uh, good ways, I think, of looking at it. I think so, yeah. I think the indirect exploitation is obviously huge. Is he dunking on religion in that that next bit of the paragraph? Okay, just making sure. He does a few of those, um, which you can, you know, uh, your mileage may vary. They're funny, in my opinion, (laughs) as a religious person. I also think they're funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he says uh, also religious propaganda kind of feeds into this, too. Yeah, yeah. Saying that, like, oh, this is good. I, I had a great... 
what I call a proto tweet, which is a tweet that I think is too spicy for my main feed. So mm. I just text my best friend instead. Um, <laughs> well, you got to make an alt for that or something. I know? should. I really should. Start shit posting. I have a young adult book coming out, so I don't want to get like totally <laughs> fucked over. Anyway, so this was a. Uh, are they Catholic or are they just a sub with daddy issues? <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, similar vein, are they Catholic or do they just have mild OCD and love rituals? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of flavors of Catholicism out there. Oppress me. <laughs> are they Catholic or do they just want to say they're religious and not have to do much? And that's also a good one. <laughs> oh. If you can't tell, we were raised Catholic. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, what's next? My conclusion with this essentially is that he's saying, okay, so it's not that without government people would be violent, which is originally what, you know, he was saying people try to claim. He says, no, that's, you got it flipped around. It's that the government itself is the one doing the violence. Yes. Yes. I mean, in the next like few paragraphs, it's basically the manifesto again, guys. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he just does it again. It's not exactly the same because like when Marx and I mean, famous opening lines that, you know, history up to this point has been a series of class struggles and there's really like the class part is, is lacking. He doesn't use the same vocab, but like it's the same general strokes, I would say. Well, do you think he has as much dialectic too? like uh, one growing out of the shell of the other sort of, you know, each stage kind of raising up the thing that's going to defeat it? I don't I don't. I didn't see that here. What he kind of claims is like society kind of overgrows the rulers of it. You know, it gets too complex to manage. And so here's where you need your viceroys and stuff like that. You got to build up a bureaucracy, but then you also have to, it gets so complex. You have to ally with the rich people in the property class in your society. Yeah. I guess I didn't really focus on like, the how of it is just that, like, I was just seeing the cycle. Or okay. I guess it's not a cycle because that implies we're going to go back to, to other things. I hope not. Right. But the um, progression of it. Yeah. Yeah. Monarchy, colonization, and then, you know, quote unquote democracy, but it's really just run by a bunch of rich people. Yeah. And then that way it is. Yeah. The, the, kind of this development which is similar to Marx. And he kind of talks about, like, as the means of production basically develop, which is similar to Marx, then the capitalist. Uh, then, then the capitalists kind of overgrow their would-be masters. He calls them the gendarmes, you know, that they were kind of the lapdogs, the, the bodyguards of of the royalty and everything. But eventually, they're like, "Why do we, why do we have to listen to you? You know, we're we're powerful enough that we don't need to pay homage to the divinely inspired kings anymore. We can draw up our own charter of rights and take power for ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like towards the end of this, this kind of historical sketch that he's creating. Um, he's saying at the end, the, the people, you know, the gendarme and whatever, what does that translate to? Gendarme is just like, a, like a cop. I think it's just like, a okay, that's what I got from the, the, context of, of some sort of armed fool. i want to say it's a man at arms because jean okay. would be like a let me see is this if this here's shitty french translations but let me google <laughs> Welcome it to shitty french yeah gendarme an armed police officer in france and other french-speaking countries 
Okay, great. That's what I got from context. But I, I think it's interesting that at the end he says like, well, eventually, you know, Rothschild doesn't need to be a deputy or a minister. He can just like pay people off. So like we we've surpassed the point where like they the gendarme necessarily need to be the ones taking the power. It's like they are now paid by other people who take the power. Yes. And you see that more and more like back in the day, you literally had, you know, a Rockefeller in the Senate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, why? Why would Bezos? (laughs) Why would Musk? (laughs) Why the fuck would they do that? Yeah, that's a step down, man. That's that's really. Oh, and th- and that's what Trump found out, which I think is fucking hilarious. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, this actually sucks." Yeah, <laughs> I can do way more shit on my own. <laughs> yeah, you you know the real power is to have these guys at your beck and call. Uh, I will. I do want to put a little as- aside in here that, according to Wikipedia, the term gendarme is derived from the medieval French expression Jean d'Arme, which translates to men at arms. <gasps> Good job, you did mm, it. <laughs> look at that. That Brilliant. brought to you by shitty French. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> what were they saying? Uh, Ouvre and uh, L'Enfant Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. So next he goes on to talk about voting, which my note is something that I've heard you say many times, which is if voting actually could make a difference, they would have taken it away by now. Yes. <laughs> like, it's the same thing we say about if we get too big for our britches, we're going to, you know, get <laughs> this CIA will be wiped or from something. the Internet. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you become a threat, they become a threat back. And he's kind of, Malatesta says the same thing here. Democracy. Universal suffrage, he calls it. And and in their time, it would have been just more vaguely termed a democracy because that was such a fledgling thing, you know. Um, And it was like, oh, can anyone but just like property owners vote and stuff like that was radical. But he's saying even that is is impotent because it offers false hope voting and all that. If the government really ever decides to, you know, get too full of itself and say, what if we go after these moneyed interests these capitalists and all that if it ever decides to turn on the the thing it created capitalists would just say actually no you're not going to do that (laughs) we're not going to do that anymore actually you'll never see like a meaningful thing on the ballot that would like get rid of money in in government like that's not going to (laughs) happen why would they do that because it's like the fundamental like reason it's there yeah, it's the Spider-Man meme. They're the same guy. <laughs> Not literally like they used to be, but they're best friends. Yeah, and they they believe in the same things. They invest heavily in each other's shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's important to keep in mind, and it's something I think that the left struggles with because so many of us come from kind of a fairly liberal political background at some point in our lives, right? And so we have this latent part of us that still sees you know, kind of an achievable progress and incrementalism that values sort of following the process, the rules, all that sort of stuff. A lot of us get from that point and we, the next landing that we get to is is kind of an optimistic sort of dem sock approach, you know, kind of a democratic socialist sort of like, uh, maybe there is, and we kind of remain open to this. Well, not so much a good guy, (laughs) but like, there is an opportunity for a peaceful transition 
an electoral path to a just a socialist, a communist society in the future. Yeah, my camera's off, but I'm making a face. <laughs> I mean, we just don't believe it anymore. Am I broken? Yeah. No. Uh, yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> really good timing. You're not broken. It, it's so, so like, we, I think it's fine to like wish that that could happen still. Yes. I think that Malatesta agrees with the more mature reading of that, or maybe, you know, the more pessimistic reading of that, depending on your stance, but it's, it's unlikely to happen if the government is really only operating like by the good graces of a, cause we're doing different research right now. You're researching about the kind of pitfalls of democracy and stuff. And I'm researching about like fascism for an upcoming episode. So fascism to me, a little teaser here is like capitalism with the mask off capitalism mm. backed into a corner. Okay. And if, I mean, if that's what's awaiting you, you know, then by their good graces, they are being the good guy by not being fascist. <laughs> you know, that's always an option to them. It's and so true. If your democracy yeah. gets anywhere close to taking power and throwing them off of the nearest building, then they're going to do what they have to do. And bring out the fucking big guns. Yeah. And so I think Malatest is right when he's like, hey, look, you know, why would they follow the rules when their back is up against the wall? Yeah, that's not what they're for. Like his thing is the government is for oppressing people. It's for defending the people who are oppressing you and the people who are exploiting you. And it is a self-perpetuating system. Like it, it is there to protect itself and the people it protects. Um, and they, they have so many ways to do that. He says they use the cops, they use tax collectors, soldiers, jailers. He calls them traitors in lies, uh, which he refers to as priests. And, you know, that disreputable profession is known as teaching. He's not going to cut you a break, is he? No, he he really, he had some Fucking bad teachers, hates you. I think. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe went to Catholic school or something. Or maybe, just maybe. in general school. I mean, I feel like school was probably way more oppressive. Oh, yeah. Back when he yeah. Was. And it's not to say that it's not now. I mean, it is in many ways. So. Uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> still contend that school can be often used as training wheels for fascism. <laughs> yes, yeah, it does a lot of those <laughs> At functions. the very least, training wheels for capitalism. Anyway, I, I think it's... <laughs> my next note here is that, that he gets into kind of the other things that government can do. And he says, yeah, well, sometimes it can be useful. <laughs> you know, like, it, I think it's like a funny, like, backtrack of like, yeah, sometimes they can do nice things, but like, whatever. <laughs> it's a, It's that scene from... Uh, the Life of Brian, the Monty Python movie, where well, it's set in like Roman Judea, and ever and there's like, what have the Romans ever done for us? Well, the roads, <laughs> well, apart from the roads, what have the Romans well, ever done? Aquifers, know, yeah, apart from the roads, and they all, and they, you know, they end up with a big list. Uh, <laughs> it's that sort of joke. Is <laughs> sure, yes, the government does good things sometimes, but he contends that like they are always motivated by the desire to dominate. So even when they do these nice things, in addition to like completely oppressing you or whatever, <laughs> should you just be thankful for that? Or you should you see through that and say, this is just a PR job. Like you're just mm -hmm. getting some goodwill by doing some of the things he mentions in here. Like it can't openly say we're just here to protect the rich people. So they have to say, Oh, we're just here to protect property rights. 
with the understanding that that's obviously going to benefit the rich people. I had a question about this Kropotkin quote. It just kind of went over my head. Can you translate it for me? Yes. Okay, thanks. (laughs) The law, says Kropotkin, and by which is meant those who have made the law, that is the government. Okay, let's just say the government. Okay. has used man's social feelings to get past not only the moral precepts which were acceptable to man, but also orders which were useful only to the minority of exploiters against whom he would have rebelled. Geez, I'm glad we did not pick another Kropotkin reading. That one went over my head. (laughs) (laughs) This actually can be boiled down pretty simply. So he's saying that the law can be phrased abstractly, Okay, to to sound pleasant and to mask something which otherwise people would be like, yo, you want to make that a law? Oh, okay. So any bill in Congress's name, you know, is always like the American Defense for Liberty Act. And it's like, whoa, you're going to like, you know, track all my shit. Like, yeah. Yes. So he's saying man's social feeling, let's say, for a desire for collective security, like you're saying, right? We do want to be safe. We, we want to have our rights safeguarded and our, our literal physical security safeguarded and everything. Great. So we're going to use that abstract principle to then go past that and say, we're going to watch every move you make. <laughs> okay. Okay. That That's a lot easier. Got yeah. it. Or we're going to say, hey, you want the right to like earn what you've made by the sweat of your brow, right? And so we're going to make sure that we protect your property rights, not just what you own physically and everything, but like what you think up your intellectual property, we're going to take that and, and, you know, push that as far as it can. And then like develop that into, you know, Oh, these now multinational corporations have like intellectual property rights on genomes and stuff. Like nobody would ever say like, Oh yeah, they should own the right to a fucking genome. No, they, they couldn't do that, but they can do it under the guise of these broad principles is what he's saying. Okay. Real quick tangent. I think I've cracked why every streaming service besides Netflix, like their UI just looks like it was made upside down. (laughs) Why? Because you have design patents. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. I think they just patented the fuck out of their UI. And so now everyone is like bad Netflix. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's why every on-screen keyboard, but like one is shitty. Like (laughs) PlayStation 4, you can, you can like touchpad on there or whatever and scroll around and it's actually like looks like a keyboard it's great yeah but there are so many of them it's like god they're alphabetical why (laughs) alphabetical keyboards why (laughs) but that i think you're totally right and this is one of the things one of the basic things i try to tell people is like wouldn't it be great you know people complain oh everything is the same under communists but actually wouldn't it be great if you actually had like one toothpaste and it was the best or like one toothpaste in five flavors and they were like tested they to be the all best good. like yeah because there's no incentives it's just like hey i'm a scientist who's really into teeth i made the best toothpaste yeah instead <laughs> what you have is like 60 different versions 59 of which are inferior because they're not allowed to be to use something that the best one has and that's what you're seeing in the streaming services that's why your life is not as pleasant as it could be capitalism mm-hmm. <laughs> all right next i have my first doodle Ooh, what is it so I'll give the context first. He's talking about basically the, the government giving us some, some reforms to keep us happy. 
And I drew a little mouse with his hands in the air. And he's saying, crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> and there's little crumbs falling from the sky. Yes. Uh, I like this. He's He talks about, like, government kind of doing doing this dance of pretending to do some reforms, but really protecting the elites. Man, oh, man. So <laughs> I was thinking, as an American, I was thinking, damn, like, this is a very charitable reading of the Democratic Party. I mean... <laughs> Not even that. They don't even try anymore. Yeah, a less charitable reading is that they're designed to fail. They're designed to take your popular energy and just, like, put it down the drain instead of letting you take the streets. (laughs) But, like, electoral politics in America in general, he's kind of saying, yeah, government's trying to keep society working basically just as so it can keep its grift going, right? So it can continue to exploit people. Like, it's like they're teetering on the edge of, like, how little can we do for these motherfuckers without them revolting? And they're always trying to, like, get to the bottom line. Yeah, because they have to. Because, I mean, like we just said, if they go too far and make the workers' lives too good, then they're going to get they're gonna get cooed. They're going to, you know, ride an open car in Dallas and boom, there they go. We'll have enough energy to organize and, like, get together. Like, if we had free time, oh, they'd be in trouble. <laughs> That's why they were so scared in those early days of the pandemic. Oh, yeah, they were so freaked out. They man. were like, my, you, you, your, your grandmother needs to die so that you can <laughs> stop thinking about what if I didn't have to work so much, you know? Oh, yeah. They were so freaked oh, yeah. out. It was brilliant. I don't know. It, it was, was a times. terrible time, but, like, it was good to see the fear in their eyes. All of us were feeling it, so it sucked. <laughs> it, was, it was mutual fear. Yeah, they had a little bit of like, not a fear of like dying and stuff so much as like mm-hmm. a fear of losing their hold. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I think that's something we forget about sometimes. Another thing he talks about here is, and we mentioned this in a little teaser last episode, uh, but he's, he's saying like the government, you know, what does it do in terms of besides this kind of these PR moves? One thing it does is it, he, his quote is, qualifies as a crime and punishes every action which violates or threatens the privileges of the rulers and the property owners and declares as just and legal the most outrageous exploitation of the poor. And in the hands of government, everything becomes a means of exploitation. Everything becomes a policing institution useful only for keeping the people in check. Oh, is it the tr- the trailblazers were talking about like parking fees? Like, what sick motherfucker came up with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, and then you can spin it and be eco and say, well, you don't want people to, you don't want people to park their gas guzzler and drive all over the place. But like, anytime <laughs> we also don't have trains. The way you got to think past, <laughs> yeah, the way you got to think past the legalisms of, of fees and fines and things is think, okay, when there is a fine, if I could sneeze at that fine, if I were that rich then it's legal for me to do. Exactly. Fines are just things rich people can ignore. A fine is a rule for a non-rich rich person. When you were a kid and you went to Six Flags, they had the signs <laughs> that said you had to be this tall to ride the ride. In America, we have these for different laws, and you have to be this rich <laughs> to break this law. That is accurate. And when Absolutely. you were a kid, those signs outraged you. And when you're an adult, or if you're still a kid, it doesn't matter. When you're living <laughs> in this society, if you're an it anarchy. should outrage you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, if you want other examples, you know, like if you get caught with weed in in a place where that's not legal, if you have enough money to like get a good lawyer, I think you're gonna be fucking fine. <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. And and the 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 government routinely says stamps like literally will do a review of their whatever the fuck bombing campaign they had in whoever country. And they'll say, We did nothing wrong, we didn't you know, we didn't unjustly kill any civilians and they'll say we did a good job. And that same government will sanction, will say it's completely legal for local governments in San Francisco to put spikes on their park benches to make sure people can't sleep there. Uh, they'll make it legal for uh, a local government someplace. I don't, I don't even know because it happens so often for them to go in and brutally clear out homeless encampments and things like we're just terrorizing our own people. Yeah, while saying it's totally fine if we just indiscriminately bomb so many other people. I mean, abortions. Like, if you're rich enough, you can just go fly somewhere and get one. Mm-hmm. The rule, the, the rule, same rules do not apply to everybody. Yeah, just the, like he says, point. it's a crime. They punish every action that violates or threatens their privilege, but they declare it just the most outrageous exploitation of the poor. No lie there. Malatest is spot on. All right. So he, he turns the corner a little. He decides to talk about something more pleasant, which is solidarity. Yeah, because he says like, oh, damn. So you're thinking I'm a doomer, right? Like it's 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 all over. <laughs> Everything's bad. It'll just be like a dog eat dog world forever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, actually, no. <laughs> Human nature is not necessarily antagonistic. It's actually in solidarity. And kind of makes a, a similar argument that we've talked about before on the show, which is the idea of like the thing that distinguishes humans from animals and also animals from like each other too. like uh, animals do this, too, is that they work together. He even brings that up. I like that, that he's like, there are ants and stuff and they're, they're very social. Like he, he's, you know, bringing, I don't know, I'm a nerd in a way. I don't consider myself a You're big science person, but I like... I don't know. I like the scientific kind of ties ties in when we when we find them. <laughs> Ants do it. Uh, humans do it. Other animals do it, and that is solidarity and working together. We've talked about this before that you know early humans were fairly egalitarian because they fucking had to be because they were trying to bring down a big old mammoth, and you can't do that by yourself. Yeah, he's he he ties these two together beautifully. I think. Like the self-preservation instinct. If you have ever talked to your very, very conservative relatives or what have you, you know, or your just right-wing spaces, whoever it is, they'll say, well, you know, man's got to look out for himself and that sort of a thing. You know, self-preservation. You got to watch out for numero uno sort of thing. Or even like my family. There's a lot of language around like protecting my family. Yeah. And Malatesta, I love that he doesn't like, straight up go up against that and say like that's bad like don't do that he says like this is actually intertwined with like there's a bigger picture beyond that and that species preservation that's also an instinct and in that you can find that like yeah you can struggle individually but you're going to kind of suck compared to struggling collectively with other people you know on a small scale in your tribe but like broader scale as we get into the more modern times like as humanity against the elements it is a mutual struggle 
He says kind of people figured this out through their own individual struggles is that like, actually this like sucks less when we team up. (laughs) This is way easier if we just like work together to farm. Yeah. And like that are, you know, in this, he gets more scientific of that. Like, yes, we do have like developed language capabilities. You know, we actually can communicate in far more complexity as least as far as our understanding goes. That's true. We don't got smells for for talking. Yeah, like so we we <laughs> that have was a all terrible this. sentence. <laughs> I got. We don't I, I knew what you meant. For talking, <laughs> these smells oh. are made for talking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we have these advanced methods of communication. We can craft things too. That's another. You know, our our dexterous hands. Yeah. So like, basically figured out. Okay, it's kind of like you're playing a video game. You realize you've specced your character a certain way. <laughs> I better play this game that way. Or else, like, I'm going to be shitty. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. You put all your points into intelligence, and then you decide you're going to go be a barbarian. Not a good idea. idea. (laughs) Mm -mm. I mean, I just started a new game, and I turned it down to discovery mode, where the description said, your character is basically invincible. And I was like, yeah, this is about my speed right now. (laughs) (laughs) I lost the first fight like three times in a row, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to move it from easy to discovery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice i'm a casual and it's fine that's, i accepted it that's okay i'm definitely on the casual end of the spectrum like everyone's talking about elden ring and you may like uh, elden ring not you i know you don't but no i don't listeners you can like it and be cool and yeah, go you can for, hate it and be thing. cool do it it's whatever it's just not my thing because like i don't like hard video games very much i don't either can't do it <laughs> so, anyway uh yeah that was an aside sorry (laughs) it's fine it's just how we are all right then it gets kind of cute he talks about sympathy and friendship and love it's adorable like he's saying like this is what makes us human yeah he's like we're social creatures we kind of need each other to truly thrive even as an introvert this kind of like was like yeah you know like i do feel like we're all connected in this way yeah, definitely. And, and he, he says, you know, these are the things that people will put themselves at great risk for. You know, the people will go out of their way and suffer and even face death for those causes, you know? Mm-hmm. He says the freedom of each not being limited by, but complemented. Indeed, finding the necessary reason de tra in the freedom of others. Okay. So, yeah, I, I highlighted that as well. Is this the idea that we've talked about a lot is the concept of freedom, which obviously in America we're very big on in a very stupid way. Um, (laughs) But but questioning what is freedom really? Is it because I'm provided for, I'm free to do things? Is it that idea? Yes, it's very similar to that. I mean, it made me think of this great quote, which Malatesta may be surprised he agrees with, but it's difficult for me to imagine what personal liberty is enjoyed by an unemployed, hungry person. True freedom can only be where there's no exploitation and oppression of one person by another, where there's not unemployment, where a person is not living in fear of losing his job, his home, and his bread. Only in such a society, personal, and any other freedom, can exist for real and not on paper. Okay, that was fun because I was trying to guess based on your tone who that was, and I couldn't figure it out. Who was it? (laughs) Uh, that was Joseph Stalin. Okay. Well, 
I would not have guessed that. You sounded like vaguely southernish or American mm. at least. So, okay. No, that was just I'm, me. I'm also surprised. <laughs> yeah, like you know, obviously don't follow all of his advice or example, but like this is some, that's a quote of his that I like and think about a lot. Is what? Yeah, what is what's good is freedom if you're starving. And like we just talked about, you don't have the freedom to like ignore fines and shit and get abortions and do other things like you don't have those. Yeah. So there's a capitalist definition of freedom, which assumes that you have more than everyone else. And you're, you're, you know, basically it's it's the freedom to dispose of my own gotten gains how I see fit. <laughs> the freedom to spend money. And yeah. And where, you know, when when the right wing comes at you and says they're all about freedom and and all this and the ANCAPs and the libertarians with them and all of the all of their ilk when they're saying all that like that's what they mean they mean that like they want the freedom to use what they were privileged to come into or what they quote unquote worked hard to exploit people to get that's what they want to you know they they want the ability to do whatever they want with that that's not what we mean at all you know we want everyone baseline to have Everything they need is it can be boiled down to simply Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like you need security. You need like food in your belly. You need just the basics of life and you build on that. And when we get that built up for everybody, not just a few, then we can really start talking about freedom, the freedom to like become who you want to become. That's what Malatesta is talking about. I mean, you could throw liberals into that too. Like, yay, I'm, I'm free to be like, gay but i'm also slaving away at fucking amazon on mars or whatever <laughs> living yeah. my sad gay little indentured servant life mm -hmm. <laughs> they want the tokens of it without the like reality of it right they want even, even you you can express yourself however you want as long as you still show up to be exploited <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh it's the raytheon pride flag for me Oh, my goodness. And we're soon to come up on that, man. That's one of the darkest periods of the year for me. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, that's it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we want to go to the next section? Yeah, that's the last thing I had in there. A little quote from Papa Stella, not my favorite guy. Sometimes had a banger. Yeah. And plus, he used to rob banks. Also cool. I like that part. Yeah. I wish he had just stuck to robbing banks and giving fire quotes. Well, he was also not a great person besides that, but. <laughs> moving on <laughs> anyway okay he quotes bakunin for the second time i think i counted three total he's a bit of a fanboy here he is he likes bakunin he likes kropotkin he likes to tell everyone he does <laughs> <laughs> he's like look what i read <laughs> yeah kind of they were i think maybe more well known than he was too so it's kind of like almost an appeal to authority in it's anarchist circles so like not really authority <laughs> so <but>. no authority <laughs> he's 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 name dropping. Yeah, there you go. Clout. <laughs> Using some clout. Um, this is kind of just what we talked about earlier. Just saying that, you know, what good is freedom if you're fucking dying? <laughs> I like it, though. My freedom is the freedom of all, since I am not truly free in thought and in fact, except when my freedom and my rights are confirmed and approved in the freedom and rights of all people who are my equals. Yeah, it's like that, uh, that Eugene Debs quote. Yes. Is that Debs? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking, I got uh, it right. while there is a soul in prison, I am not free, right? I win the quiz that I made for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things this also reminded me of was to enrage uh, 
Malatesta here, I'm going to commingle his message here with someone he wouldn't have liked to his message commingled with a fellow named Jesus. <laughs> Uh-oh, he would say, that guy's just brainwashing you, uh-uh. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, I mean, his religion did get co-opted into the biggest <laughs> empire of its time, so uh-huh. he had a message to, you know, he had an axe to grind, I get it. But, <laughs> Can uh, you imagine if Jesus came back? <laughs> it's just like, what the, the, sorry, you called it the Roman Catholic Church? Yeah. The, the motherfuckers that killed me? Are you? <laughs> you mean the Jesus murdering church? <laughs> <laughs> but whatever oh, you no. do to the least of these, you do to me, is what Bakunin here was saying, basically, right? Mm. Or in this interpretation, you do to yourself. Whatever, whatever injustices are visited upon, just like Eugene Depp said, you know, if there's a soul in prison, I'm not free. Whatever bad is happening in society to other people, it's it affects you. You should not be able to. Right. As a communist, as an anarchist, you should not be able to sit by and watch that happen and be like, damn, that, I mean, you know, bad day. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I would argue like as a an ethical person. And, and this is something I, I struggle with a lot because I think our, our self-care kind of mindset is now <laughs> telling us to just like, oh, take a break. Yeah. Shrug it, it off. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's part. That's an op, essentially. Yeah. It is such an op. And like. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you have to put on your own oxygen before you can help other people. But like, you can't just also ignore it. <laughs> you can't just be like, "I'm done." There's a balance to be struck, and I don't want to like is, down anyone for like. You do have to take care of yourself. I'm not. We're not exist and and make yourself okay day to day. But when you when you completely run out of the rage, when you completely run out of the righteous anger that you feel at seeing the injustices of that's vis- that are visited on people in your country, people where you live or people far away from you that you have nothing in common with. Like you should still feel very upset about that when you see it and you should, you know, take breaks and, and like, you know, don't always be plugged into that. But you don't want to ever, like, not have that reaction, right? Yes. I, I think the key, I'm, I'm talking out of my ass because it's not like I'm good at any of this shit. <laughs> <We're>, but... <laughs> our, our action is, you know, talking to you guys. Yeah, right? I think the, the, you have to find the balance between, like, engaging with it enough so that you, like, remember the struggle and you're still angry about it and all that and taking care of yourself enough so that you can do something about it. And then the third step, actually doing something about it. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to juggle. It is, yeah. Self-care types are hoping you're going to skip one of the steps and just focus on <laughs> caring for yourself. because and, and they're right because it's a big, you know, it's a lot to deal with. And so it's easier to, to kind of like focus on just making sure you're okay. You get derailed into that. That's what they're hoping. But it's not to say that you shouldn't take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Please do. But use that as a way to get back into the struggle. We clearly had some feelings about self-care. There. We had a lot of feelings about <laughs> self-care. It's It's been building up. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm reaching a point in my therapy where I'm just like, I, I don't know how to talk anymore without just bringing up capitalism. <laughs> well, yeah, I, and I think that's that's a part of the medium, right? So the medium is focused on like, what are ways that you can cope with the system as it is versus how can you change it, you know? I do love what Malatesta does, though, in, in this, in quoting this, and then what he does, like, to kind of build on that, is he kind of says, solidarity is not this self-sacrificial thing. It's not just being a saint. It's not saying, oh, I'm going to do what's good for everybody else but me. 
right? It, he kind of like twists it and says, actually, this is like self-interest, right? And so it is in your interest. He says, egoism, the exclusive consideration of one's own interest, impels people and human society towards solidarity. Egoism and altruism, concerns for the interest of others, become fused into a single sentiment. I think that's really interesting. I, the egoist term made me think of the dispossessed, of course, because mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like their <laughs> big insult. But but I think that's a great point is, is viewing your goals and society in quotation marks goals as the same goals. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is totally useful in terms of thinking through. It's not so much a persuasive technique, but like thinking through the divides you have between you and your kind of like you care about having a just society for other people, that sort of thing. You know, you're, you consider yourself altruistic versus people who you, you know, who frequently harangue you about it. And they say, Oh, well, you know, you're conservative people that you know, and who are like, really, it should be about number one. It should be about you and blah, blah, blah. And be like, Hey, if if you had a community that takes care of you, that also helps you. Yeah. Is that's a way to think past that. It may not be that persuasive to say, actually, you know, but like to say, I actually can reach this person because I can, you know, I, I know that what I'm working for, like what, what I want as this kind of like you're saying, this community that will work toward the good of everyone is good for this person too. So like there is a way that they can reach that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that he he then twists it again, mm-hmm. <laughs> twists it back around and says that, you know, yeah, I talked about how the evolution of man has kind of led to, you know, increased cooperation and solidarity or whatever. But then people figured out, oh, I can also cooperate to exploit. Yeah, it's uh, I think <laughs> I thought of it as kind of the dark side version. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Like, oh, I got everyone to work together to exploit people. Yeah. <laughs> you use force, make people work together for one group's interest instead of everyone voluntarily cooperating for everyone's interests, right? <laughs> it's just uh, instead of everyone teaming up to improve our collective situation, to improve our, all of our chances of survival, which, I mean, we should really... We should really get on that. Yeah, we are incinerating <laughs> our planet. Um, but Woo! instead of doing that, we balkanize into these little competing nation camps, you know, and we say, oh, you got to boycott stuff from this place. Oh, you got to send aid to this place. You know, like you got to bomb this place, that, all that stuff. These little competing nation camps working to kind of prop up their own little local mafia boss, right? I viewed it less on like a, the global scale and more on on like, I guess, the, the corporate scale of like, oh, or even the police scale or something, you know, of oh, if I get a bunch of guys together, I can like smush other people better. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, if you're talking about the early rise of the, I mean, that's how you end up with initially, you know, feudalism and stuff. It's like, oh, I've, I've got the troops, so I'm going to go and again, ownership all comes back to who had the bigger stick, you know? Yeah, and all of that, like the best way to think of that is essentially organized crime. I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's yeah yeah just force. It's just pure force. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's um, OG pillaging, just just crimes. It is crimes. Yeah, that's all it was. It, it was uh, somebody had might and somebody used it. And then from there, he kind of talks about kind of early 
trends toward globalization, maybe saying kind of we're all in increasingly interconnected materially. You know, we can see that. And even though we're living in this shitty capitalist world, you know, we need to act in a way, you know, in terms of our revolutionary program to kind of bring us into a, a, a bigger union of humanity, a free association. You know, it's, it's super important for it. Like we're saying for our survival of our planet, but like he's saying, this is happening despite like capitalism and, and, and governments and stuff being in the way people are still realizing like, Whoa, we're more connected than we, you know, than, than we are separate. Also, he does use the phrase all for one and one for all. And I was like, man, do you think the three musketeers guy was like so proud when he wrote that? Here's, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> He's like, I just wrote a banger. Everyone's going to love it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like proud that Malatesta quoted him. Oh, <laughs> I was no, like, no. Maybe I meant like when that, he, but... no, when he wrote it like himself, he's like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that one's going to, yeah, that one's going to outlive me for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so then he boils down to a, a good little section where he talks shit about friend of the show, private property. Private property, as you guys all know, sucks. Not talking about your toothbrush. Not talking about your toothbrush or any, you know, your clothes. You know, your stuff, man. Like, what you have, that's yours, dude. Land? I don't know. Maybe not so much. No, not your land. No. <laughs> not land. Sorry, okay. we're going to take the land. Yeah. And by we, I mean the, the masses. People. Yeah. He says the masses <laughs> need to take over the means of production, the land, the instruments of labor. They need to abolish private property. Mm, hell yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's preaching the choir here. We're all we're we're communists, yeah. We agree. Like, do it. I mean, yeah, this this was super fucking communist. I did have some sticking points. Mm. It, he's talking a lot about this this instinct towards solidarity and the like, either naturally in more you know ancient times or whatever, or you know as we relearn that it going forward, like with with a kind of class struggle. We all are going to be working towards the same things. And my immediate question, I'm sorry, I just like am very defensive right now, is again, and he mentioned this earlier too, is just like what happens when those interests don't align? Like how do we work that out? You know, like there's people who like don't think I should be able to exist. Yeah. How do we protect those people that are like <laughs> in danger, I guess? Or like how do we... I don't know. And I guess this gets back to the democracy question. So maybe we should save this for next week. But yeah, that's just my initial reaction of like, it's so hard for me to who to abstract these, or maybe not abstract is the right word, but to only focus on on those kinds of material needs, because I'm like, also concerned about other things. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up because that's what he's doing. He's taking a shortcut. He doesn't do that. <laughs> he, he's, sort of, he's sort of saying, yeah, okay, we can all team up. We can all realize that materially we're all going to be better if we do this. And that is true. I guess my question is, and then what? <laughs> well, and then what? <laughs> you know? But even even in the meantime. Even, yeah, because what if you said, like, I'm not going to you know, hang out with the trans person in the revolution. Like, all right, what? I guess I go home. <laughs> do you go home? How yeah. does this work? You know? This is where... You either need to completely demystify people on a one-on-one -on -one basis, which I think Malatesta, either in this or another writing, talks about essentially the you know the work of anarchists is to convince enough people that that this is the good idea, and then to do it, you know, uh, convert people, convert enough people to to do this. There are probably other roads, or you could 
say we're going to have, you know, a Vanguard Revolutionary Party that does that. And that when people try to be shitty, deviate in, in, in separate ways, yeah, and, and, and make things bad or reactionary, they do combat against that. And they, and they, they, and that doesn't have to be lock them in jail. That can be like, you know, convince them or what have you. And maybe even Kick convince them, them under threat of like, hey, you better do this. But like, <laughs> there's more force by it. There's more organization, more discipline, more whatever. That's the Marxist Leninist approach. I'm not sure that that's what everyone wants, but it's one option of like making sure that the movement does not fall off the rails of a general like unorganized populism. I think there's a huge education gap in a lot of these kinds of issues. And again, like, I mean, Malatesta calls it out like, yeah, our fucking school system does not do a good job about teaching about different things. And like in his case, he's talking about like capitalism being good, but also like in terms of race and gender and like all this shit. So like you'd have to have a robust system, you know, in place. And then that begs the question, well, who's going to decide that system, you know? <laughs> so, okay. Just that's a bigger question, I guess. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't get into super it. get into it yeah he's I not an intersectional guy yeah i think you know it's sort of like when when, he, when he's talking about the, the the human inclination toward cooperation and towards this good positive spirit he kind of assumes this sort of thing about people which is interesting because he just got done saying like with within this capital society you can't blame people for being kind of capitalist and being kind of like antagonistic but then he's like, also people naturally are good and stuff. Yeah, he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth here. Yeah. And I just don't think he's thinking through both of those precepts. He's kind of sweeping away big enemies in his head and then saying, well, like, once those are gone, I mean, people are going to be good. You know, without kind of reckoning with... Well, the boot is wet. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting because you, you have to imagine. I mean, come on. The guy's living... It's eight. 18 what for like 80 something like yeah you know he's racism still around he's dealing with people that he's gotta think oh my god like this person fucking sucks like, you know like he's he's dealing with a lot of people who have these like terrible ideas about stuff surely unless he's like not interacting with people he's just a hermit he's got to be seeing all these retrobate views and everything and and be like oh my like yeah, I mean, he got kicked out by a fucking fascist government. I think he knows that people suck. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, I don't know, it's 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 a, it's a it's maybe it's more difficult than we're giving him credit for in terms of working that into. And this is just a pamphlet. It's trying to inspire people. Not <laughs> saying like this is everything I ever thought, but okay. Section five. Uh, <laughs> section five. It kind of throws up a few straw men here, or more like just kind of says okay well you know some assholes are out there saying but what about this what about that you know mm, all the the security nuts yeah well he raises a bunch of questions here oh about like a kind of um like social services kinds of things like who's gonna make sure the trash goes out yeah shit yeah, like yeah. That. but he only addresses a few of these so like we can run through like in general what he says and then focus on because he only kind of focus on on one of them but he kind of says, okay, well, you can't just let people do what they want because everybody's going to be confused, you know, crazy. Uh, he also says, who would organize things, you know, big complicated things. Who would organize that? 
Uh, he says, who would manage social wealth from generation to generation? What would we do with all those things we've built up? Uh, what about crime? You know, what about the lazies? Crime he really gets into. He does That's later, he yeah. he decides to focus but on. But right now he just kind of like throws it out there and doesn't come back to it uh, till later. He says, what about the lazies? Uh, what about society? About civilization? You know, about fighting off the barbarians? All this sort of stuff. The one he gets into now, though, is once you abolish classes, if you have a government, it's going to represent everyone. And it is going to be a good tool. Uh, to defend against counter-revolution or foreign attack. And so he says, you know, basically, why throw it out? It's going to be helpful. Kind of going after the socialists here, maybe. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. So you're saying, he's saying that facetiously. Yeah, he's saying like, Okay. yeah, he's saying the authoritarians would say, well, you know, what about this? Let's go ahead and keep it. We might need it. Okay. So what he says is, his response is, okay, yeah, well, You know, organ and function are inseparable in terms. So if you're going to use a government, you know, it's going to do government shit. You may be in charge of it now, but like, it's still going to do what it's going to do. And he said- Government's going to government. Yeah. And he says an army will provoke war or it will disperse. The cops will fight criminals or create them or disperse. (laughs) I mean, yes, see any suburban police department. They will fucking find the crime. And by find, I mean create. Yeah. (laughs) How many of the controversial take here, but how many of the mass shooters have had tabs taken on them by the FBI beforehand? Or how many of the people who are plotting various things against the government had some, you know, enterprising Yahoo say, oh, I'll sell you explosives and be like an FBI plant. (laughs) Here's a tip for any of you budding anarchists who are getting enraged enough listening to our show to say, what if I do something about this? Anybody who is selling you explosives <laughs> is an That's FBI, an FBI agent, guy. Is someone That's with Dan the government. and Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody doing that. So, like, just keep yourself safe. Figure out something else to do. <laughs> try, try something else. Don't do that. Uh, or don't. I mean, if you want a less dramatic example, I mean, speed traps. We all know those exists. Those exist so the police can fucking park their cars, usually still running, and just go catch people who are, like, not causing any major issues at all. Yeah, it's their favorite thing. Getting innocent it, people they and so idling their cars. <laughs> they love, those are their top two things besides <laughs> shooting black people. Okay, then he tells a very hilarious story about wolves. Can we talk about this wolf story? Sure. I don't know the veracity of it. I, I knew that okay. maybe you would ask me about this, but I didn't bother to read it. That's fine. Uh, Listeners, I guess, write in. He talks about the forestry administration in France, which they said that there were too many wolves. And so they were wolf exterminators. And I was like, wow, I don't know if we should be just destroying all wolves, (laughs) but okay, that's one method. And then they they said, like, okay, if we got wolf exterminators, why the fuck are there still wolves? Basically saying that, like, they were not killing all the wolves. (laughs) But also, like, yeah, we probably shouldn't kill all the wolves. Yeah, it's kind of a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, But I just thought it was a funny example. But yeah, he's saying basically that a government will extend its powers, right? Or whatever agency you set up is going to figure out a way to make sure that its, you know, its reason for existing is still there. 
I bump up this against this again because he just went on being like, human nature, we're all working together. We're so good. And he's like, but these guys, <laughs> you know, he turns so fast. He just spent like two pages saying like how people are inherently good and be like, but a government though? No. It feels like a bad faith take on human nature. I mean, again, do you think that it's like given the situation we're in, these governments are doing bad things? And then, you you know, you run into a question of like, well, who was the first asshole sort of thing? But I don't even care about that. I, I mean, my big note was he's talking about, you know, this is necessarily what's going to happen with the government. My initial question was, does it have to? Who says it has to always do that? Like, I also wrote this very shitty idea, which was <laughs> you, you get your vanguard party in there and then they like they all sign a fucking blood oath that says, all right, guys, in 10 years, we're going to like start dismantling this government, <laughs> which is really stupid. But I, I guess what I'm just saying is that like it doesn't necessarily have to be. And I think he makes that argument, too. I think my guy gets a little hung up in labels. He eventually gets the idea I think it's in the next section even. So like, let's just talk about it. Government versus admin, administration. Let's just fucking, let's just change the name if that's going to make him feel better. (laughs) You know, like, let's just change it from this, this, you know, capital S state and, you know, the government and change it to like the people who like run things. And that can just be like, you know, Debbie in the office. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's different though, because he says that... Uh, government claims that it can do all these things that it's like, you know, Oh, I, I, you know, marshal all the collective forces or whatever, which he just got done saying it could do. But then he says, actually it doesn't do that because it's actually, those are the individual people doing those. So when he's saying humans are good, but government is bad, but government is made up of humans. Yeah. Well he did. So like, I think initially you can say, okay, well humans are good, but when they're put in this position of, Protecting a particular interest, right? When they're set up as the bodyguard of whoever, they have to play that role. And so they do it because, like, that's what they're supposed to do, but it's bad. Why don't we change the interest? We do We do change the interest because he said, like, oh, we're, the real human interest is solidarity. Well, that's sort <laughs> I'm of just saying. That's sort of what Marxist Leninists say to do is just, like, smash that old system and say, okay, here you go. We got a new interest. Smash the bourgeoisie. We're going to put humans in charge of it. They're good at shit. And then that's what you do. Because I think that gets us to chapter six, where he does kind of break into this dichotomy of saying, uh, the way I read it was like, government does not actually do a lot, even though he was just saying it does a lot. He says, (laughs) it doesn't do a lot because if you break it down, basically... It's made out of people. Yeah, it's made out of people. And so people are the ones who are really doing this. And I I do like this next point, which is saying, if you think about what the capital S state has done and even like the good things they have done, those ideas never came from within. They always come from below. And I was like, holy crap, that is completely correct. And I want to like, just yell that to everyone I see right now. (laughs) It's just that like, they're never going to be like, Oh, you know what? We should just, uh, we should give everyone healthcare. Like they're never going to do that. Like we have to demand things. And even then they're going to give us like the most, not even half assed anymore. It's an eighth of an ass version of it (laughs) that was a good point i think that he raised he says um one thing i think that he kind of harped on was that uh the anarchist or the communist goal should be that everyone should have the same rights and the same means of action like the same capability of, of of putting what they want their will into existence 
but the government, like one of the big evils of it is that it, it confines that ability to just a few people. Everyone else has to follow the government's orders. And, and he, and he, he kind of, he kind of says, well, you know, that's not good. Like it, like you said, it's, it's doing this top down thing, but it's also saying like only certain people, whether in a progressive direction or in a reactionary direction, no matter only certain people get the chance to say the, you know, how society is going to go. Yeah. And then, and then he gets the idea of government is about delegating power but administration is about delegating work. And I think that might be a helpful definition moving forward because we've been going back and forth. I'm like, okay, is government bad? I don't know. Like, this guy really fucking hates it, but like, it doesn't have to be bad. But like, maybe this is, we just say, you know what? Fucking fine. Let's just, it's too complicated. We're going to get a new word, administration. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I thought this part was cool because he's kind of saying we don't have to have you know, guns basically behind what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I I think that is one of his key definitions of government is the ability to enforce things. Like that's like I think page one shit, and and that's what he's arguing against. Like if if we do this, like we will not have to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, we don't need bosses. Uh, what he's saying is essentially like you're saying a rebrand or whatever. But I think it's important because like moving down to like coordinators or technicians, it's mm-hmm. status in terms of expertise without privilege. Uh, if, you, yes. if you think back to Lenin's state and revolution, this is kind of like how he was talking about, yeah, we're going to have managers and technicians and stuff, but they're going to be making a workman's wage. Like they're going to be the same as everyone else in society. They're not going to have hiring and firing privileges. They're not going to be, you know, groveling at their feet so that you can continue to put bread on the table for your family. They're not your boss. They're someone who knows more than you in a particular setting. And not even more, maybe different things, because we've talked about this too. Like, not everyone wants to be a manager. Not everyone is a good manager. That's for fucking sure. It, it's a certain set of skills. Like, are you good at managing people? Like, that's a skill to have. Are you good at developing their talents or whatever it is? Like, motivating people. Like, it's very frustrating when people, like, <laughs> want to promote you and you're like, I don't actually want to do that thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? For real. And that's, you know, I think that. That's sort of what Lennon was talking about. And, you know, is he wasn't coming with it out of the blue. I mean, he was going off of what Marx had written. But but I think that's what Malatesta is talking about here, too, is that we have administrators and we have people. And he's, he's talking not just individuals, but like collectively, like we have these yes. systems set up. We're not talking about. It can still be organized. Yeah. It's not like everyone's out for themselves. Yeah. He's saying we can still team up and figure this all out and have these systems in place even. It's just not going to, again, it's not going to have guns behind it. It's not going to be you do this or you're exiled forever. He also talks about crime. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, I was like, oh, everyone's just going to go, you know, pillage and kill people and whatever. It's like, really? Would would you Would you do that? <laughs> Is that what you're into, you freak? Yeah. Again, he's like <laughs> Shevek in The Dispossessed. He's just like, do you want to kill me? Is that what you're telling me right now? <laughs> if not for the law that forbade you from killing me, you would just gut me? <laughs> you're so ready for it. The first <laughs> thought you have. <laughs> and uh, But, I mean, he does a deeper dive into that. He says, you know, yeah, like, the boot is wet. People come out of their society with these scars 
people will struggle, right? With how they were raised, they might commit these antisocial acts, you know, what we call crimes right now. And he says, basically, people will just defend themselves against that. You know, they'll stop that person from doing whatever it is. And in doing so, they won't be trying to punish them as a rebel against the system. He says, you know, they won't see them as the rebel slave, as happens with judges today, but the sick brother needing treatment. I also really like the line before where he says, we do not confuse the inviolate right of defense with the claimed ridiculous right to punish. Oh my God, I want to yell this at every like thin blue line person ever. Like there's a difference between defending yourself and like, yeah, sure, fucking have a gun, I guess. Like do whatever you want. There's a difference between like that and and, like their idea of national defense or or domestic defense, that kind of thing. And like terrorizing people. Yeah. (laughs) Like they're, they're not actually, they don't care about defense. They care about punishing people. Yep. They want retribution. And that's again, what he's saying is like, no, that's not what we want. We're going to help people. And it's a big ask. I'm not, don't get me wrong, but I think it's, it's, it's important if we're going to put together a project like this. Yeah. And, and, you know, he brings up the point of like, Hey, we've been doing this crime and punishment thing for like a hot minute. Has it ever worked? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, do more cops mean that fewer people are killed? Yeah. No. For some reason we don't see that correlation. (laughs) weird the stats just uh never seem to make that work (laughs) (laughs) section seven he uh takes us to the fucking curb and kicks our ass (laughs) (laughs) well i like it because he says okay hey 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 hold on a second don't you want some details like what about the details what about all the situations like what if everyone wants to eat partridge and drink wine from the Chianti district? And I definitely do. I love a good Chianti. Ah, oh, fuck Chianti. <laughs> you miss, it's okay. I, I showed my whole ass on that one, as you say. <laughs> I'll buy you a nice Chianti sometime. It's delicious table wine. Yeah. Uh, who will do a miner's job or who will be a seaman? Who will empty the privies? <laughs> What happens if you have a stomachache? Like, I love it. He gets really rude. Like, oh, what time do we go to bed? Yeah, if you have ever brought up <laughs> anarchism with a skeptical friend, you've 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 seen at least a couple of these. I mean, we talked about it last week. We see these all the time. <laughs> and they're fun. I think it's fine. I mean, there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. You know, like it, if someone is asking me these things in good faith, which sure. our listeners yeah. are because they're little angels and I love all of them. <laughs> but if it's, yeah, if someone's saying like, well, what about this? What about this? You yeah. know, like there's a difference. <laughs> like we got into, you know, how it's cool. It's fun to do. And it may be, you know, probably come on, man. We sit around, we have a couple bottles of wine or whatever, like us and Malatestin. Yeah, we hang out. We could probably talk this shit all the time and be like, oh, here's what we would do. That's fine. (laughs) But he gets down to the theoretical framework of it and says, hey, actually, you know what? No, thank you. Well, he does this a couple of times. Like, if you're still asking this question, I must have fucked up somewhere, which I think is really good. Go back and reread the first part. (laughs) Just go back and read the theory. I mean, my theory. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, okay, I do love this section as as much as it does take me to fucking task. 
Because it, it gets to the heart of the thing. And, and this is where I see the the twins of, of anarchy and socialism really just like, no, 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 just macking on each other. Mm-hmm. That's gross. That was a twin cest thing. I didn't mean for that to happen. What I meant is it really <laughs> intertwines the two concepts nicely. All right. <laughs> He says this quote, what is important is that a society should be brought into being in which the exploitation and domination of man by man is not possible, in which everybody has free access to the means of life, of development and of work, and that all can participate as they wish and know how in the organization of social life. Who's against that? (laughs) First off, like that sounds rad. Um, That seems like there's altogether too many handouts for the weak and... (laughs) undeserving or whatever clearly clearly yeah but what i love is because it's just like hey guys let's just fucking get the basics right like worry about that all the other shit our schedule whatever worry about that later and and then he he gets the idea of like you cannot have anarchy without socialism which i love yeah i think it's interesting because what he says is like they're yeah they're explicitly tied together You've got to abolish the domination and exploitation of man by man, which is like we said, the same thing Stalin was saying earlier. Whether they are exercised at bayonet point or by a monopoly on the means of life, like we were saying, either forcefully, just brute, here it is, we've got troops at your door, or whether it is, here it is, the best you can do is be an Uber Eats driver and an Amazon warehouse worker and a teacher and, you know, like, you know, the best you can do is sell your body. String together miserable jobs so that you don't die. Yeah. And, and he's saying, like, that's what we've got to fight against. He, and, and he makes it clear, like, we don't know what that's. We, we know that we want to end that. And we don't know all the details past that. Like, uh, he says, kind of like, we're not prophets. You know, that anarchism's not about that. Like you said, go back and reread. <laughs> you know, and, and I like this kind of generational thing. He says, like, we can't tell future generations what to do in their probably radically different world. You know, like they're gonna have to figure that out. We how could we prescribe that? You know, and that's eerily similar to uh to not friend of the show, Thomas Jefferson, saying that (laughs) essentially, you know, each generation should form its own social contract, its own constitution. The tree of liberty should be water with the blood of patriots. And every so often you should just like redo it. (laughs) Yeah. That was a founding father. And then all of a sudden everybody said, oh, we should do what they said forever. (laughs) Yeah. We should keep this old shitty document by a bunch of slave owners. That'll be fine. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, future generations shouldn't be like beholden to what their forebears did. It's, I don't know, I like this part too, saying you know, liberalism is, in theory, a kind of anarchy without socialism, and therefore is simply a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going to try to keep private property, but in doing so, they're going to keep that half. They're going to let the strong exploit the weak. They're going to basically just do a different version of authority. They'll let you have a few rights, and but the rest of them, the important one of, you know, living yeah. <laughs> is always up for grabs. You will get to wear, wear a pronouns badge on your way <laughs> to the sludge factory. Woo! Can't wait. When he gets to chapter eight, he says, okay, well, let's, let's take a step back. Maybe Malatesta, you're being too unrealistic. You know, we live in the real world. People are beaten down by too much poverty to feel solidarity. 
They, I mean, you know, right? Competition is bearing down on them at all times. Atomization. We all feel alone in our houses, you know, afraid of our neighbors. People are brainwashed by the state, by its servants. We got to have something to lead these unenlightened masses out of their darkness, right? We got to have some sort of a state to guide us out of that. Um, I drew a, a little guy rolling his eyes like, oh, fine, let me explain to you dumb fucks <laughs> <laughs> again. Because he basically, he does the same thing of like, well, I guess I fucked up because you still don't get it, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, these objections would not have race and detra if we had succeeded in making ourselves understood. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so sassy he's like just so cranky like i picture him as like a cranky old man in a cabin he's like you again (laughs) you still have questions (laughs) you with the states always with the state (laughs) but yeah he says he says government's not going to help that people can act cooperatively you know they they can they can channel immense energies together cooperatively without a government directing them and then ultimately right corrupting that toward a small interest group rather than the whole general people he and it he kind of like harps again on that theme that we said earlier of like government is similar to collective action it's just the dark side version of it (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's the force part that we're not into yeah which i don't know (laughs) I, this, this could just be a product of my own habits as far as playing video games. But like mm. when I played KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic <laughs> 2, I always used dark side powers in my light side playthrough. I did too. They were way stronger. Yeah. So I'd use force <laughs> lightning, extremely useful. And I just would stack charisma. So it cost less force points. But other than that, I was like saintly. I was like nice to everybody. But I would, like, do evil force powers. Yeah, you're telling me the light side powers are push and sprint, like things I can do as a normal human? <laughs> right, yeah. And no, I was I shoot lightning out of my fingers. And I was using this for good. I was slaying bad guys with it, right? Malatest yeah. is kind of saying, like, no, you can't do that. You can't use a state. No it's force bad. lightning. <laughs> you can't use bad shit for good ends. Mm, okay, okay, okay. You know, I, I don't know. That's kind of how I read this is, again... Government is bad. You can't just use that to solve your problems because it, it's it's bad. It's going to lead you down, you know, a dark road that you don't want to take. It's um, a matter of definitions because he did painstakingly define government at the very beginning of like it has to oppress and it has to like have force behind it, like all that shit. If your government doesn't do those things, I guess it, it could maybe it has force behind it still, you're saying, but it doesn't oppress or it only presses the bad guys it oppresses the bad guys but he even says at some point like if it's dedicated toward a single class versus the whole people which marxist Leninists will readily admit it does dedicate itself to a class the working class and it oppresses the bourgeoisie so it, like it kind of fits his negative definition of a state you know and he says that that's kind of bad i'm okay with beating up jerks <laughs> I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, and, and, you know, Lennon argued, like, okay, what we're trying to do, right, we're building up kind of an alternate version of a cruel instrument of oppression of the people, and we're going to make it a cool instrument of oppression of the bourgeoisie, which, like, is kind of good, right? Yeah, I mean, 
I bet if you ask people, not saying that I would, Dave and Dan, if you <laughs> asked a bunch of people if you would like to punch, like, let's say, Jeff Bezos in the face, I think a lot of people would say yes. I would say even a lot of people <laughs> who are pro-capitalist, just because he does have a punchable face. He is a... I want to take his lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. I think is, again, we we talked about this earlier, so we don't have to harp on it again, but I do think he raises valid critiques and stuff. It's like, don't get hung up on your state being, like, somehow exempt from corruptibility and things like that. I, I also would, like, be totally fine if, you know... We went through a revolutionary process of some sort, and the anarchists had it more together, and that's what we did, and it worked that's out. That's fine. Like, I'm down. Dude, great. Let's do that. Forget what I said before, and just, we'll do this. <laughs> Delete it. Yeah. Delete it from the stream. Yeah, I think I just get worried, like, because capitalists forces are so very powerful right now they've really had a lot of time and money to like you know beef shit up we're probably gonna need a big smashing instrument and maybe it is totally just made up organically of the people working together but like sometimes it does feel comforting to be like well we'll have like you know the people's army yeah (laughs) we'll have something to smash back because like these these guys are not gonna let go uh peacefully they're not gonna be like oh yeah you're good (laughs) go ahead take over Malatessa says, like, yeah, you'll have that. It'll be the enraged people in forming their own people's army without the need of a government to force them to do it or else. And it's like, okay, well, maybe. Hopefully. I'm down. And then we get to the last chapter. I mean, my favorite part of this is, is again, the idea of we're not telling you exactly what to do. We're not telling you exactly how to organize your railways and your whatever. We're, we're just, we're leaving the way open. Yeah. I wrote it's it's about the method and not the plan. Yeah, it's it's the tool that will hew the path out of the stone in front of you, right? Like you use that. I don't know what's under that. That that surface is opaque. Like what is underneath it? Where wh- what cavern will we dig? We don't know. But like we'll get somewhere, and and it's we're gonna get a better place with this tool. I think is what he's kind of saying. But yeah, I, I like this kind of optimistic ending. He has a little rallying cry at the end. He's like, basically, you know, we're going to fight for anarchy. We're going to fight for socialism, for freedom for all. We might fail sometimes. That is okay. We're going to keep fighting. And if today we fall without compromising, we can be sure of victory tomorrow. Cute. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's what he said after, like, he puts the pen down and goes, that was cute. (laughs) (laughs) That was real fucking cute. Good job, Enrico. You've earned yourself a drink. <laughs> Concluding thoughts. I know we kind of mostly covered it, but... Yeah, um, overall, I really liked it. I know I kept being like, oh, I have a problem with this. I did really like it, though. I, I think he gets a little bit circular sometimes, but I, I think it works because it, it makes the whole thing feel pretty cohesive. And, like, I really like the, the main thrust of, like, hey, like, you can't have anarchism without socialism, like yeah, those two go together. So like, fuck off if you're trying to do and cap yeah. shit. That's not gonna fucking fly. <laughs> Their heads just explode every time they hear about this guy. <laughs> and I and I like that too. Not just from like you know dunking on and caps as much as I love doing that. It's also a good unifying factor of like, hey guys, like we're all fighting for the same fucking thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because <laughs> so I like, feel let's like calm the fuck down. We're, we're so splintered on the American left, at least, and and so much of the Western world's left. Like, we can't afford to be like, well, I'm an anarchist, you're a communist, you know? Like, come on. 
we're all getting surveilled by the same motherfuckers. We should be against them, you know? If I found, like, I'm trying to think of what stripe would be, like, the weirdest one for me to find out in the wild. Maybe, like, a Maoist, because I just don't know as much about Maoism. I know enough mm-hmm. to get by. Even that, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, let's talk. Let's hang out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, you, you, can't, you can't be picky yeah, right now. for sure. No offense, Maoist. I don't think you're weird. I was just trying to think of, like, I'm definitely more, you know, traditional. No offense taken. Oh, you. I don't know. I, I use, you know, I'm always trying to cite the mess line and stuff. So That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, I, if I met even like, oh, would you fuck with a Stalinist? Sure. It's just a Marxist and Leninist. I guess so, yeah. Oh, like a, I feel like a for real, like, I love Stalin sort of guy. <laughs> That'd be weird. But I would still ask questions and engage, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they're better than like a I love George W. Bush kind of person or something, <laughs> you know? Like, I love Barack Obama, even. I don't know. You know, they're... Uh, they're yeah, I could have a conversation. Yeah, uh, they have more in common, maybe, with me. But I guess, yeah, the point is, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> yeah. I like this text also. It's, uh, you know, thoroughly socialist, thoroughly communist, thoroughly revolutionary. It has the same enemies as me, so I love it. We always say, you know, if this is your road, do it. Like, if this is your thing, we will be there with you. Uh, if you're an anarchist, if you're a communist, whatever, like we, like we said, we have the same enemy. I'm down. I did think it was a little light on tactics, but I do think it also was, you know, kind of took pains to say like, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> I think intentionally. So yeah. it was just like, yeah, fuck it. That's not what we're talking about here. So it's just like, well, you know, we'll convince people, I guess. Yeah, like, well, we'll, we'll, once we get everyone anarchist, this will happen. But like, <laughs> he did some fast forwarding. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I thought it was good. I give it a four out of five. Maybe 4.5. There's some bangers. I will give it 4.5 out of 5. Okay, great. I liked it. I mean, you know, I felt that where it kind of diverged from what I thought, I could still kind of, given the theory that I had read or whatever, could still kind of tie it in. I liked it. That's that's the long and the short yeah, of it. Is, that's it was the good. point. <laughs> it was good. We're going read along it. here. So... I liked it. You should read yeah. it. The end. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week. What are we doing next week, by the way? Next week, we will not have an episode. <sighs> Sorry. I'm going out of town. I'm not going to bore you with a one-man show. <laughs> I don't have that kind of... T- I'm not that talented. And maybe I could be, but I'm not going to put forth the effort to, to do it, to be honest. So. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I could, but I won't. <laughs> no, so I don't make the claim that I could. I, I won't kind of like, you know, self-deprecating, hold myself back to where it's like impossible. Maybe I could, but I'm if I could, I'm not going to. <laughs> that sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to put all that forth ever. But like the next time that we come back, two weeks from now, we'll be diving into a pleasant little topic. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about fascism. Yeah, the opposite of what we talked about today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So we'll be talking about what fascism is, what are its origins, all that lovely, lovely stuff. (laughs) Great. Delicious. Just kind of a programming note in general, as it is the summer, I do have some trips lined up. So like, we're going to always be very upfront about our schedule whenever we can. But just know that like, this is also the time when Grady is off so he can handle like slightly larger research projects. So even if we end up having to take some time off for those things, like we'll come back with juicier stuff, hopefully. Yeah, that's the plan anyway. Like I said, we're not <laughs> profits, so 
Yeah, yeah. We're just this is the method. Yeah, the podcast is the method. We'll see what road it it uh, blazes. <laughs> see ya in. Well, I'll see you sooner because we're like related. Um, but listeners, you'll hear us in two weeks. All right. See you guys later. Stay strong. Bye. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.